Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past featuring the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring songstress Dorothy L'Amour and a complete episode of Fibber McGee and Molly. Again, we are broadcasting from the Frankfurt studios of the American Forces Network here in Frankfurt, Germany. And all the material is from their library. And now, here's Miss Dorothy L'Amour. A cigarette that bears a lipstick's traces An airline ticket to romantic places And still my heart has wings These foolish things remind me of you A tinkling piano in the next apartment those stumbling words that told you what my heart meant a fairgrounds painted swings these foolish things remind me of you you came you saw you conquered me when you that to me I knew somehow this had to be the winds of March that make my heart a dancer a telephone that rings but who's to answer oh how the ghost of you clings these foolish things remind Fibber McGee and Molly was the most listened to show on radio during the 40s. Here with Ransom Sherman, Marlon Hurt, Arthur Q. Bryan, and Harlow Wilcox is Jim and Marion Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Of those two men with big bags on their backs who bring you things, Santa Claus and the mailman, the mailman has about 300 more chances a year to surprise you. Like just now, when he is approaching 79 Wistful Vista with a special delivery letter in his hand. All unbeknownst to Fibber McGee and Molly. What were your plans for today, dearie? Oh, I don't know. Thought I might drop in at the Elks. Then go past the cigar store for a minute and see who the guys have elected the next president. <laughs> Maybe stop at the bank on my way home. At the bank? Blood bank or First National? Hmm. Blood bank? Who's got any money? <laughs> Why 
Well, I was just thinking that... Come in. Oh, good morning, mailman. Morning. Is your spouse in the house? (laughs) (laughs) If you mean is my guy standing by, yes, he is. McGee, the mailman, wants to see you. Oh, what's on your mind? And haven't we met before someplace? Sonny. What? I said, Sonny, I used to meet you frequently when I was drinking sodas at Raymond's Drugstore. Remember? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. And here's the special delivery for you. Much obliged. I'll see you again. Hey, wait a minute. You'll have to sign for... What? Now, what's the matter? Don't I articulate this thing? (laughs) I says you'll have to sign for... (laughs) He means Weasel have to sign for it, Molly. (laughs) Not Weasel, just (laughs) Usel. Okay, just measles. Where do I sign it, bud? <laughs> bomb line. Which line? Bomb, bomb. <laughs> Look, B-O-T-T-O-M, bomb. Oh, well, there you are, bud. Thanks. It's okay. All the days, boy. <laughs> Who's the letter from, dearie? I don't know. Well, I'll be... Hey, look. It's from my cousin, Roy McGee, in Portland, Oregon. Oh? Last time I heard from that guy was in 1930, and he wanted to borrow 20 bucks. Well, times are better now. Maybe he wants to borrow 100. Yeah. <laughs> you get the same reply he got in 1930. Which was with the, what? Well, uh, I can't spell it. It's just a noise you make with your tongue. <laughs> now, let's see. Have a look here. Dear Tripper. I don't know whether you... And your wife... Here in Portland, Oregon... Take complete charge of... Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is wonderful. This is marvelous. Well, that's nice. Someday, when we're walking hand in hand up some quiet country lane in the hush of the evening, maybe you'll give me just a tiny little hint of what it's all about. Not that I want to be Snoopy, sweetheart. Why, it's from my cousin Roy. He wants us to come to Portland, Oregon and live in his house this summer. Yeah? Seems he owns a string of canneries wants me to take complete charge of them. He says if I make good, he'll turn one of them over to me. What do you know about the canning business? Anything Roy McGee could learn in 15 years, I can learn in two days. <laughs> boy, oh boy, imagine me in charge of six canning factories. What do you suppose he can? I don't know. Besides you, when he finds out how much you don't know about canning. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me see. Portland, Oregon. That's salmon and tuna fish country. And cherries. Tuna fish and cherries? Mm. Who'd eat a combination like that? <laughs> we wouldn't can them together. Hey, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. I've seen worse combinations in tea room salads. <laughs> Tuna fish and cherries. Oh, well, we'll see about that later. <clears throat> Much later. First thing we got to do is sell this house. Sell this house? Oh, now, McGee. Got to make a clean break, baby. Can't run a canning plant in Portland, Oregon and keep my other pants hanging in Wistful Vista. <laughs> got to put the house up for sale. Hand me the phone. Oh, dear, you're so impulsive. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the wistful Vista real estate and escrow. Oh, is that you, Mert? Oh, dear. <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? Did they? What say, Mert? Sydney, the grocery boy. He did, eh? Did she scream? Did who scream, McGee? Mert's kid sister. Why should she scream? Sid kissed her. Oh. <laughs> what say, Mert? No, let's not try it again. Okay, I'll call later. Just going to put the house up for sale. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Going to Portland, Oregon, Mert. Yeah. Going in the canning business. Canning business. Yeah. Don't say anything about it yet, Mert. Okay, thanks. 
Real estate office is busy. Oh, dear. I love that business about telling Myrtle to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. That girl spills more beans than a Navy cook in a hurricane. <laughs> I know that, Tootsie. And inside of three hours, everybody in town will know we're moving to Portland. Save's making a formal announcement. I see. She's a one-woman secret service with no secrets. Mert couldn't keep a secret if she was blindfolded, gagged, bound, and buried under 40 feet of cement. No. <laughs> when she was given the gift to Gab, she took it back and got a larger size. Yeah. <laughs> That kid collects more wrong dope than a narcotic squad, and to her, the word truth is just part of a radio show called And Consequences. Yeah. <laughs> Mert means well, but her sound wasn't wired for brains, and she uses green lipstick so her mouth won't have to stop. Oh. She's the only girl known to medical science whose tongue has worn out three faces. Oh, dear. The only reason they gave her that job on the ground floor of the telephone exchange was because they knew Mert could never run down. <laughs> she makes more noise and less sense than a broken record of a Japanese lecture on flower You're arrangement. right. She can take a veiled hint and build it up into a three-act play with 12 scenes and an oleo. She's the kind that burns the scandal at both ends and she gushes like a broken water main. Besides that, she talks too much. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I guess that takes care of Myrtle. You betcha. I hope you never sit down and start really analyzing my qualities, dearie. I did that long ago. You did? And you come out of it a very noble character. Oh, my. <laughs> <sighs> Should I try that again? <laughs> now, let me see. Oh, yeah, this wire to Roy. I, better I still think you're rushing into something you're pretty ignorant of. Hmm? You don't know anything about the canning business. So what? Did Eisenhower know anything about Africa? Did Bob Hope know anything about toothpaste? <laughs> Let alone Miriam Zirium. <laughs> now, what do you think of this telegram to Roy? Well, let me see it. Roy K. McGee, Portland, Oregon. Your offer comes at difficult time as I have had several propositions from big syndicates in the East. Mm -hmm. What big syndicate? You ever hear of Frawley, Bullfinch, Hammerfelt, and Crump? <laughs> no, did you? No, did Roy? <laughs> well, what do you think of the telegram? Too long. What would you say? I'd say Mr. Roy McGee, Portland, Oregon. D-Lo-K, sign McGee. Hmm. That takes all the business-like stuff out of it. Cuts the horse feathers down to a quill, if that's what you mean. Well, my gosh, businessmen like to hear things... Come in. Oh, good day, Mr. Wellington. Mm, my dear Mrs. McGee, you have no idea how much pleasure it gives me to see you again. And McGee, you have no idea. <laughs> Hi, Wellington, I'd shake hands with you, but you're a little out of reach up there on that high horse. <laughs> Amusing fellow. Someday, old man, I should like to follow you around all day and take notes of everything you say. With what in mind, Mr. Wellington? To see if it looks as silly as it sounds. <laughs> ah, touche. What do you mean, touche? My hair is my own, and you know it. I never know. <laughs> I didn't say toupee, dearie. I said touche. Huh? A French expression meaning you got me. Oh. Was there something we could do for you, Mr. Wellington? I will come directly to the point. How much do you want for it? For what? This house. I have it on very good authority that you are putting it up for sale. You see what I mean, Molly? Mert didn't waste any time. Isn't it wonderful? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Wellington. The house is not for sale as yet. Our plans are not fully matured. You see, Sig, I'm thinking of taking over a string of canning factories up in Portland, Oregon. If I do, I'll naturally pull up stakes here, but I'll let you know, Sig. I have your word, then, that I may have first refusal? Absolutely, Wellington. <laughs> good, because I'd be the first to... Allow me to wish you every success in Portland, Oregon. 
John? Like a flash. <laughs> yeah. That's what a college degree does for some mugs, Molly. They spend the rest of their lives trying to make their heads fit those flat hats. <laughs> they... No. Hey, what kind of clothes do you wear in Oregon? Search me, dearie. What do you say we look it up? Hand me that encyclopedia. Here you are. Now, let me see. Portland, Portland. Mm. Here we are. <laughs> look, it's on the Columbia River. Ah, that's salmon country. Oh, I'm going to like that job. Go out in the morning with your fish pole and catch your salmon. Come back in the afternoon and can them. Hey, where are you going, Molly? I'm going upstairs to look at the linen situation, oh. just in case we do go to Oregon. Don't forget to send the wire to Roy now. Ah, I won't. <laughs> ah, there goes a good kid. I know she thinks Oregon is full of Indians and grizzly bears. But does she squawk and complain? No, sir, not her. I can just see her standing there in the door of our cabin with a rifle. <laughs> While I run down the path to the canning plant. With the clean, sharp aroma of the pine woods and last year's salmon. <laughs> come in. Hi, mister. Ah, there, my dear. Do come in and sit down. Well, I was... Hmm? I said, do come in and sit down. After all, I may be gone a long time. And I should like to have only the pleasantest of memories of my little friends in Wistful Vista. Come, child, sit down. Okay, mister, I'll bite. What's the gimmick? <laughs> There's no gimmick, sis I'm just in a sentimental mood, I guess Mrs. McGee and I are going to Oregon Oh Huh? Hmm? What? Sure Okay <laughs> When you going, mister? When you? When you? When you? No, that, that's not. This summer, sis End of June sometime Get there just about the time The salmon are going upstream To palm their young <laughs> To pawn their young. Salmon do that, you know. That's biological in a kind of a fishy way. <laughs> you see, sis, when a mama salmon wants the stork to bring her some little <clears throat> salmons, she fights her way upstream. Oh, uh, why? <laughs> I don't know. Just life, I guess. <clears throat> All mothers have a kind of a shad row to hoe. <laughs> Skip it. Anyway, <laughs> when they get upstream, they start pawning their young. Gee, do they honor? That's what they tell me. Oh. Pawning with salmon refers to the fact that the young salmon are left as security for the old folks, you see. <laughs> In fact, the original pawn shop symbol, sis, was originally meant to indicate three golden fish balls <laughs> made of salmon. <laughs> <laughs> Look, mister, hmm? in the first place, the salmon run doesn't start in June. Hmm? It starts in February, usually, and lasts through spring. Yeah, but what's Secondly, the... the older fish do not return to the spawning grounds. Hmm? They usually die on the return trip to the sea. The young salmon, or par, live in fresh water a year or two, and then they go to sea as smoke. Yes, but what... In approximately another two years, they seek fresh water again, thus completing the cycle. Hmm? So save that blessed event stuff for people who believe in it, like Mr. Winchell. The King's Men sing San Fernando Valley. I was never one to be a sinner. I've been from Santa Fe to Mandalay. Wherever I am, someplace else looks better. 
pack my grip. Bought my ticket. I'm leaving today. Clear the track. I'm taking a trip. One way trip. California way. Won't never come back. I'm gonna settle down and never more. Oh, and make the San Fernando Valley my home. And make the San Fernando Valley, the San Fernando Valley, the San Fernando Valley my home. I sent the wire to Cousin Roy, Molly. I accepted. Aren't you glad? I don't know whether I am or not, dearie. Oregon seems a long way away. Oh, you're going to love it out there. Incidentally, I think Beulah's fixing trout for dinner. Oh, boy, trout. That's for me. How's Beulah fixing it? I'll see. Oh, Beulah. Somebody in here yipping for Beulah? <laughs> How are you fixing the trout for dinner, Beulah? Broiled with sketch butter. Mm. Sketch butter? <laughs> yes, and butter's too scarce to draw. I just thought I got to sketch it. <laughs> got some news for you, Beulah. We're thinking seriously of going to Portland, Oregon this summer. Will you miss us? No, sir. What? You won't? No, ma'am. I'm going with you. Ah. <laughs> great, Beulah, great. Uh, what did your boy's friend say to that? Who, Waldemar? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to teach him a lesson, sir. Yeah, you know, we had a little set to the other night. Uh -oh. A set to? What about, Beulah? Well, there's a big chair in my living room, and Waldemar say, come here, gal, and sit on my lap. Mm. I said, no, and he said, why not? And I said, boy, that chair won't sit, but one, and he said, this chair set too easy. But it didn't, and I almost busted Waldemar's leg. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Waldemar had a crush on you, and you had a crash on him. Look at the man on the crash on the crash on him. <laughs> Love that man. <laughs> well, uh, maybe a few months' absence will set Waldemar right, Beulah. I hope so, ma'am. You know what you see is the trouble with women? No, what? Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell us Waldemar's a woman hater, Beulah. On the contrary, ma'am. On the con positively, Trey <laughs> He's too good looking to be a woman hater. What do you mean, Beulah? Well, sir, the proper ingredient for a woman hater are one good looking woman and one homely man. Mm -hmm. Man say, hi, babe. Woman say, go shopping yourself, skate. <laughs> Result, one woman hater. Yeah. Well, let me know what to get ready to leave for Portland, folks. <laughs> well, there's another railroad fare to Oregon, McGee. I'll put that on the expense account. My gosh, Molly, think what my salary ought to be for managing six canning factories. One of them ought to pay 10000 a year. Six of them would pay 60000 Wow, 60000 a year. Why, think of the income tax on that. Must be around 25000 Why, that's almost half. I won't pay it. By George, that's confiscatory. I'll take this case to the highest court. Come in. Oh, hello, doctor. Hello, Molly. Hello, worry wart. <laughs> Hi, Aerosmith. What are you scowling about? Taxes, doctor. Taxes? Yeah. What taxes has he got to worry about? It makes just enough to keep his head above water. And there are those who fail to see any necessity for that. I'm not squawking about my present taxes, you big oaf. But I got a big job coming up in Oregon, managing a string of canning factories for my cousin. Canning factories? Yes. Well, as the prince said when he first saw Cinderella, now there is one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> you managing a canning factory. <laughs> oh, now he can do it, doctor. He can do it. You're darn oh. mighty right I can do it. Oh, chutney. You couldn't manage an ice cream parlor at the North Pole. <laughs> Why, you'd have labor trouble with a marionette show. 
It'd be like an Airedale running a flea circus. Is that so? Yeah. Why, you pompous old pill roller. When it comes to business, you got about as much head as yesterday's beer. You don't say. I do say. Well, look who's talking. Of all the inconsequential, inconsistent impersonators of industrial impresarios, you are without doubt the outstanding example of pragmatic ineptitude. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I'd gone farther in school. <laughs> I never know whether to take a bow or a sock at somebody. The lack of a college education has probably saved you a lot of teeth, dearie. Yeah. Molly, just what is this nonsense about him running some canning factory? It isn't nonsense, you lemonhead. It's a fact. His cousin Roy in Portland, Oregon, wants us to move into his house this summer and take complete charge of all his canning. I'll handle the purchasing, sanitation, housing, welfare, work, and all stuff like that there. And he says if I make good, I can take my pick at the plants and he'll turn it over to me. There is something fishy about this, and I don't mean salmon. No. No, there isn't, Doctor. Show him the letter, McGee. Okay, there. Read that now, you big septic. All right. <laughs> Dear Fibba, my wife and I would like to take a well-earned vacation this summer and wonder if you would come to Oregon and keep an eye on things while we're away. Mm. As you may know, I have a string of very valuable canaries. Canaries. What? Read that again, Doc. You said canaries. That's what it says, canaries. Canaries. <laughs> Let me see that letter. The canary. Oh, this is ridiculous! It doesn't say canary! You can't run a canary! What are you doing, McGee? I'm writing a telegram to Cousin Roy in Portland. What are you saying? I says, your letter impertinent and insulting. You are a cheapskate and a rat, and if you ever write to me again, I'll pin your ears back with your own bicuspids. <laughs> Warmest personal regards. Signed, Fibber. Very good. Day letter? Night. Night all. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio from the Frankfurt Studios of the American Forces Network. Now, here's a final question. What's right with America? One of the most important human goals was recently put into words by a proclamation issued by the Department of Defense, quote, to contribute to the improvement of our society, including its disadvantaged members, by greater utilization of our human and physical resources while maintaining full effectiveness in the performance of our primary mission, unquote. What is that primary mission? It's to instill in the serviceman and in every civilian employee of the Department of Defense the highest pride in himself and his work, in the uniform and the military profession. This is Frank Brzee at the AFN Frankfurt Studios in Germany, inviting you to join me next time for the Golden Days of Radio. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service. <laughs>